Blog Talk Radio. You want to replay the point? Okay. Mr. Vavrinka wants to replay the point. 15 on. Play the point. Today is Monday, September 18th, 2017. Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen, joined as always by Jared Pine of A Second Serb. Good evening, Jared. Good evening, Pete. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. And uh, just yesterday we had a lot of action in Davis Cup. Uh, and um, after all was said and done, we've got uh, neighboring countries that will compete for the 2017 Davis Cup. We've got the Belgians making their second appearance in the final in three years just going across the river to France to take on the French. Um, going to start off with Belgium's victory, Jared, and that is David Goffin taking out Nick Kyrgios in the fourth rubber. Uh, I saw these two guys play in the first round in Cincinnati where Kyrgios got the better of an injured Goffin. Kyrgios was injured himself, but uh, he outlasted Goffin there. But very impressive for David Goffin to be able to put the Belgians in play to uh, wrap it up in five, and that's what Steve Darcy did. But uh, obviously going into Sunday down 1-2, facing Nick Kyrgios on the other side of that Herculean effort by David Goffin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They clearly came into this tie as underdogs. I think you and I were both picking on the last show Australia to win this. Um, and there really wasn't much doubt in my mind that Australia would be able to come through. Uh, on paper, they clearly had the better team. And then on top of that, they go into the final day with the 2-1 to one lead. I mean, if if you're looking at um, Belgium's path to vi- victory before the tournament, you're saying, okay, David Goffin has to sweep, which, as you said, is a Herculean effort. On top of mm-hmm. that, you'd have to win doubles. They got They got wiped off the court in doubles. Um, and still, David Goffin gets his two wins. Steve Darcy came through. He, he gets to be the hero in the fifth rubber. Uh, but I, I think your analysis was spot on that. Uh, the, the big match was that fourth rubber. And a lot of times that's what it is in Davis Cup. The two number ones from each country go head-to-head in the fourth rubber. That's always the big one, the decisive one. Uh, the, the fifth rubber is what gets called the decider. Um, but a lot of times that, that's the number two from both countries, or well, that's what it always is. And that's kind of a nice thing about Davis Cup that makes it a lot of fun. Uh, but without David Goffin, none of this is possible. Yeah, good call. And uh, noteworthy, uh, Jared, Goffin dropped the first set in rubber number one against John Millman, then won the next three. And then here's Belgium down 1-2. Uh, Goffin again drops the first set in the fourth rubber against Kyrgios in a breaker and then turns the tables, takes care of Nick Kyrgios there. Uh, Jared, before we came on the air, uh, talking a little bit about Nick Kyrgios, saying that he loves the big stage. Uh, he's a self-admitted tank some matches when he's playing in uh, some very small tournaments, back courts, if you will. Uh, he loves the big stage, the big lights. I saw him drum Nadal in Cincinnati, uh, played exceptionally well. I don't know, to me, uh, trying to wrap up uh, your country's uh, passage into the Davis Cup final uh, is as big as it gets, and and yet Nick Kyrgios, dare I say, failed on the big stage here. Yeah, um, and 
I think part of it, as you say, he loves the big stage. He wants to win on the big stage, that's for sure. And uh, I think he played nervous tennis, and the stats really bear that out. Um, for him to only have 19 winners compared to 39 for David Goffin, um, there's a big size difference in this matchup. And when you look at these two players just standing next to each other, and I told you one of them's going to hit 39 winners, the other 19, everyone's going to say Nick Kyrgios is the one that hit 39. Uh, but instead, it was the other way around. David Goffin also in four sets fired 20 aces. Um, so this is some pretty big tennis for David Goffin. Uh, he came up against a guy even bigger than him and uh, just outshot him. Uh, he went out there on the court being the aggressor and uh, really made Nick Kyrgios play defensive tennis. I think part of it is Nick Kyrgios feels the pressure of playing for his country on a big stage, got nervous, played a little bit too tight, and uh, got broken. Um, w- one break was the difference in each of the three sets he lost, the second, third, and fourth. He lost them all 6-4. Uh, so that's just a matter of one break. And so it's tight competitive ten- tennis, and it's a lot of times a question of who can handle the pressure better. And, um, it, you know, it just seems like Nick Kyrgios got tight. Yeah, good call. I like that a lot. Um, that will happen. And I, I think I used the analogy last show, Jared uh, Federer, saying that, you know, Playing a Wimbledon final is a cup of tea comparing compared to playing for Davis Cup. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Kyrgios can like the big stage all he wants, but, again, using Federer's analogy there, it's a different deal. And uh, that's why I credit Steve Darcy for closing it out against Jordan Thompson. Jared, 33-year-old Steve Darcy, who's been around for a long time. He had some success maybe eight to ten years ago. He's He's always sort of been there, meanders in and out of the top 100 ranked 77 now, but uh, had an opportunity to put the exclamation point on a big Sunday for Belgium. Did just that. Jordan Thompson's done some nice things for Australia at the Australian Open. I know they're very high on him. He's a youngster who's going to be coming up, but uh, Steve Darcy got through in straight sets to put Belgium in the final. Yeah, absolutely. A a great effort by Steve Darcy there in that fifth rubber, and he's someone that has had some big wins throughout his career. I mean, you mentioned that the peak of his career was about eight to ten years ago, like you said, but really it was uh, three or four years ago where all of a sudden he was the guy whose name you didn't want to see in draws because he was taking out some big names. Uh, I believe it was at the Olympics that he took out Tomas Burdick. Um, It just seemed no opponent was too big for him, no occasion. Uh, was too daunting for him. He could handle it all. And so, yeah, of course, he comes out into a fifth set, uh, a fifth rubber, and uh, he goes, okay, I've, I've been here before. I can do this. And uh, he, he played like it, really played a great match all the way around. Um, you know, really strong stuff to win 6-4, 7-5, And uh, just a veteran performance, I think, is the best way to put it. And, uh, you know, made made Jordan Thompson look like the younger novice player compared to him. And so, you know, we're seeing players these days have a lot more success later in their career in terms of age, well into their 30s. Here's Steve Darcy at 33 years old with a massive victory to send his country back into the Davis Cup championship tie. Very well put. I like that. And I I had forgotten about some of Darcy's uh, results, like you mentioned, uh, the Olympics three, four years ago. He can get the job done. Uh, it was scripted uh, right for him to get it done in his home country. He did just that. The Belgians will not forget about that. Belgium this time, Jared, won't have to go too far to compete for the final. Uh, just going next-door neighbor, France, um, an, another individual who did, had a very disappointing hardcourt season. Uh, granted, he became a father earlier in the year, Joel Fitzanga, 
really not happy at all with the way he performed on the in the North American hard courts. Uh saw him crash and burn in Cincy. He didn't do much better at the US Open. Davis Cup, different story. Joe Wilfred Sanga, two and oh in singles matches, including winning the fourth rubber against Dusan Lajovic, who beat Luca Pui to put Serbia up one love on the first day, but uh Sanga had an opportunity to take care of business, put France in the final, and he just he did just that. Um, dropped the first set in the fourth rubber, but took care of business, and Belgium will go to France. But what a great effort by Sanga. I mean, we look at all the horses that France can wheel out there for Davis Cup, and uh, Sanga really was the big name here. Gasquet playing a challenger of all things during this week, but um, Simone not there, uh, but still – you got the doubles team of Hebert and Mahout, solid. Those guys took care of business. But I, I was very impressed with Joe Wilfred Sanga, the way he was able to get through. Yeah, Sanga is a veteran player that's had lots of success throughout his career. And so he's no stranger to this. And obviously, every single year, France is able to put together a great Davis Cup team. And now here they are going into the final against uh, Belgium. I think they're going to be the favorites there. They've really cruised through this draw, and things have really opened up for them. Um, and their tie against Great Britain, you know, with Andy Murray pulling out, um, Japan wasn't able to put their best lineup out there. Serbia doesn't have Novak Djokovic. France is taking advantage. They've taken care of business. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Joel Fritzonga, a big part of that coming through in four sets against Lajevic. Um I think if they did go to a fifth rubber, Puy could have taken care of business. Um, they found themselves in great position to win that tie no matter what, I believe. Um, but, yeah, for Songa to still be able to come through and say, okay, we're going to we're gonna finish it here in four, uh, not dilly-dally. We're going to take care of business and send ourselves right back to the final. And so great effort there by Songa. I agree. And, you know, France has taken a lot of heat with uh, the talent that they have, the guys in the top 10, 20, 50, if you will, and yet – you know, the the major drought has gone on and on, and uh, we've seen some guys get to the semis or even the final. Hasn't gotten the job done. Um, a Davis Cup victory would be sweet for the country of France. Uh, people can fling arrows all they want at Davis Cup, but I'll tell you what, uh, there's a moment of pride uh, along the whole country for a long time when you win Davis Cup. Let's ask Federer how, how good that felt and Andy Murray for that matter uh, just recently or even Delpo two years ago so a Davis Cup for France and uh, party time yeah absolutely and for it to come to a country that also hosts a Grand Slam I think would be great for tennis overall um, I think that's the kind of thing that really grows the sports because ultimately the Grand Slams are the center of our sport Davis Cup is, is a wonderful thing that you and I are both big fans of um, but ultimately uh, the sport sells by the by the Grand Slams. And so for a country like France to be the one that's having success, I think this really does a lot, um, both for Davis Cup and tennis as a sport in general, to grow the sport. And so um, I think it's great that France is having this kind of success. They've really got a good team, and, and we're seeing them put some of their best players out there. And so that's what you want in Davis Cup, uh, the best players in the world going head-to-head. And so uh, really great to see France having this kind of success. Yeah, and let's just throw uh, – I think you and I are both leaning toward France, although we don't know who will play for France. Obviously, Goffin, Darcy, most likely will lead the way for Belgium. France, as we mentioned, can have their pick of a, a, any number of guys. But uh, not only who will be on that squad, Jared, but what surface and what venue. Uh, 
a lot of question marks. The French will decide to uh, have to decide. Um, I would think Sanga, if he's healthy, will be there. Uh, Monfils is always a question mark. We know who's going to be there for doubles. That uh, that's sort of a no-brainer. But um, boy, France has their pick of about four or five different guys uh, uh, to go alongside Sanga at this point, and and let alone you know what surface. Not only what suits them, but uh, you know what might slow down Goffin as well. Yeah, and how about this? The two countries haven't met each other since 2001. So here's a meeting wow. between these two countries that hasn't happened in 16 years. Um, last time they met, France won 5 um, nothing. Mm. France overall does lead the head-to-head 4-3. That's really not that big of a difference. I would have expected it to be a little bit bigger. So um, Belgium's had some success in the past. Of course, that was long before any of these players uh, even started their professional careers. So uh, all that is just history now and um, just something for trivia at this point. Um, what, what really matters is what's going to happen on the court. I, I'd agree with you that France is going to come in as the favorite. Um, if, if Belgium has anything different than Darcy and Goffin, they're in big trouble. France, on the other hand, they could put out just about anyone, whether it's Monfi and Songa or it could be Gasquet, Simone. They could go with Puy and Benito. Um, you know, there's yeah. just so many players that they could throw on the court that uh, would do extremely well against Belgium. And uh, I, I think they'll wait to pick the surface until they know what the lineup is and then uh, choose accordingly. You know, if you have uh, Mahu playing singles, you might just do the tournament on grass. Um, you know, it, it all depends on who they have available. Uh, I think they they could probably be in good position to go with hard courts and then go with uh, Sanga and Gasquet combo. I think that would be pretty successful against Darcy and Goffin. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, this is a great French team, and um, I think I think they have a huge advantage going in. I, I like that. Uh, I would I would go with hard court too, probably irregardless of, of who they select, uh, just because I think Goffin and Darcy, uh, their best surface is clay. Um, some of the French guys, obviously, that's true as well, but uh, they can also play on the hard surface. What I'd like to see, Jared, is uh, I'd love to see the French bench, if you will. I, I know we talk about you know having the younger guys be there as hitting partners. I'd love to see all the veterans there, uh, even even someone like a Paul Henry Matu who retired this year, uh, trot him out, have him on the squad, if you will. Uh, the French deserve this. Uh, it's going to be at home. Let's let have have all these guys enjoy it, and you know even have a hitting partners there, and maybe rows one and two. But as far as the guys on the bench, uh, I would like to see each and every guy who's played Davis Cup for France in the last 15 years, if they're still active players, to be there. Yeah, oh, that would be great for that kind of thing. And you know, for France, we're talking about a long list of players. This is this isn't a short list like it would be for okay. Belgium, where you have uh, you know Xavier Melis, uh along with the guys that are already on the team uh, for. For the French uh, team, this this would be a lot of players. But that, that would definitely be a nice thing to honor. Um, a lot of the great players that have come through France, um, just such a rich tradition of successful tennis players. Um, you know, you go all the way back to uh, some of the, the greats of tennis before it was even a professional sport. Um, you know, France has such a rich history in tennis. And so um, particularly to honor some of the more active players, I think that would be great. Well, completely agree. And so, Jared, uh, a treat for us. Thanksgiving weekend, the Davis Cup final will be contested. Uh, obviously, we'll be up early in the morning to watch that. And uh, we're looking forward to, to that. Obviously, we've got a lot of tennis between now and then. 
other matches going on in Davis Cup, some real surprises here. Probably the most shocking in Hungary and in Budapest. Uh, Marton Fuxovic, I hope I said that right. I've, I've seen his name before. I'm not really familiar at all with him. Won three matches over the weekend, Jared. Uh, defeated Andre Rublev, Kareem Kachinov, also won doubles. And Hungary stuns Russia in Budapest 3 1. Um, you know, Rublev got all the way, obviously, to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. He's not the only one who crashed and burned for Davis Cup. We'll talk about Schwartzman as well. But uh, Rublev and, and Kachinov, no answers in, in Budapest. Uh, was this a post-U.S. Open hangover for Rublev, something else? Or, you know, that's that's Rublev, but Kachinov, that's another story. I This one does not make any sense. All I can say is that's Davis Cup tennis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to say this one doesn't make sense uh, makes sense um, because Russia, you know, they've won the, the last six meetings between these two countries. Russia came in as massive favorites in this one. Uh, Martin Fuksovic is someone that uh, we've heard of, and that's just about all we can say about him. Um, you know, we, we see his name here and there. I've never seen him play, though, um, just seeing his name on draws popping up. Uh, but here he is with um, a massive win over the Russians, being two young Russian players, Andre Rublev and Green Kachanov. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a little bit has something to do with these young guys uh, not as motivated for Davis Cup. Um, but what this means is that next year, uh, Russia's got to try to work its way back into the world group. So Russia will not be participating in the world group next year. Um, this is going to set them back a little bit in terms of uh, Davis Cup, which is unfortunate because you do have these two young Russian players that are so promising. Um, everyone expects them to be really good. And you, you would think uh, Kachanov and Rublev one day could get together and, and win the Davis Cup title. Um, Daniel Medvedev also played in doubles. He's a great singles player that they could plug in there as well. Um, Roman Safiulin, he could play as well. I mean, the, the future of the Russian team is really good, but if they're not in the world group, it's it's not going to matter. So this is a huge blow for the Russian team. Um, this is really going to set them back quite a bit. Completely agree. And um, I'll just go back to uh... – I know you attended Great Britain at USA at uh, in San Diego, Jared, and again, you and I have had this conversation before. You know, Murray wasn't playing for a Great Britain uh, Davis Cup, and, uh, you know, other guys were uh, getting the job done against um, the Russians in, in Vladivostok, if you will. And so it was only when Great Britain got out of where Russia is going to be that Andy Murray decided, okay, I think it's worth my while to go and play, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, Dan Evans of all people, uh, was the hero for Great Britain then and, uh, really laid the foundation. I know you know that story. I know that story, but, um, we'll see. Sometimes, uh, going to the backwaters of, uh, of Davis cup can be a good thing and we'll see what comes out of that. But, um, one country, Jared, that always seems to pop its head up at, uh, at the right time, Kazakhstan and, uh, Mikhail Kukushkin, is an absolute Davis Cup slayer out there. Um, won both rubbers. Uh, they played Argentina. They hosted Argentina, someone who won the 2016 Davis Cup. And you could say that wasn't a full squad of, of guys for Argentina. My analogy to that is Rafael Nadal didn't necessarily play seven incredible matches to win the 2017 U.S. Open. You play whom is in front of you, and Mikhail Kukushkin 
uh, took out a U.S. quarterfinalist in Diego Schwartzman, who was in good form. But what a win for Kazakhstan. Uh, they get the job done yet again. Yeah, and that fourth rubber really was huge. That fifth rubber would have been an interesting one between Guido Pela and Dmitry Popko. Um, so it was very important that Kukushkin took care of business there in that fourth rubber, and uh, he really made that look pretty easy. Took care of business in straight sets. Uh, Schwartzman, really no reason why he couldn't have had success there. Um, he didn't have to waste much energy in the second rubber, beat Popko, um, only losing eight games in the entire match. So uh, a pretty relatively straightforward win. Rubber two would have come into the fourth rubber very uh, relaxed, energized, ready to go, um, and just couldn't really get into the match against Kakushin. A very dominating performance from the Kazakhstan. Um, and so he sends his team into the world group next year. Just a massive effort from him to get that done. Yep. I want to ask you about Schwartzman. A lot of, uh, a lot of talk about him. Uh, he had a very nice U S open. I saw a little of him in Cincinnati and liked what I saw, uh, a, a gritty competitor who, who had himself a very nice North American hardcore season. Um, at the same point in time, I guess we can take a look at, uh, this is Davis Cup tennis, and you know what Kazakhstan's been able to do when they roll these guys out there, and these guys play out of their minds, and they've got some nice upsets uh, more often than not. And uh, sure, the Argentine squad we can say depleted, but once again, you 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 play who you bring out there. Kazakhstan got the job done, but um, I I thought maybe Schwartzman would have competed a little bit better, but. Uh, when you go up against somebody like Kukushkin, I'm I'm not going to discount that at all. Yeah, and, and it did seem to be a bit of a poor performance from Schwartzman. Obviously, they, they didn't have Del Potro out there. Uh, Argentina has a deep lineup, but apart from Del Potro, not really a star-studded lineup. Uh, they have lots mm-hmm. of guys they could put out there, but Del Potro is really the only one where you're saying, okay, we can we can count on this guy to lead this team. Um, but, yeah, just looking at that match against Kukushkin, um, go back a little bit. A couple of years ago, there was this famous match between Gilles Simone and Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open where Novak Djokovic hits 100 unforced airs and still yep. wins the match. Um, that was a five-set match. This was a three-set match, and in this match, Kukushkin hit 60 unforced airs. That means he was on pace for exactly 100 if they had gone five sets. Um, so he had hit 60 unforced airs, Total points won by Diego Schwartzman, 93. That means nearly two-thirds of the points won by Schwartzman were on unforced airs by his opponent. If your opponent's giving you 60 unforced airs, and I mean, he just barely took advantage of that, getting to 93 total points yeah. won, that's really nothing. Um, you know, shows he was just playing very defensive tennis, uh, really just waiting for the air, and, and he did get it 60 times. Um, so it was working, but not enough, um, unable to finish the job. There were three tight sets, including a tiebreaker in that third set, um, but the tiebreaker was a blowout. Uh, Schwartzman just never really able to get into this match and play his best tennis. Uh, really an odd match for Schwartzman. Yeah, I, I like how you uh, line that one up, Jared, absolutely. And how about the Netherlands, the Dutch uh, taking on the Czech Republic, down love two going into doubles, they get the job done, and then Robin Hassa, who was a semifinalist in Canada, and uh, Timo DeBacher, someone who we've not really seen his name for quite some time, comes through in rubber number five. 
and guess what? The Netherlands take out the Czechs. Uh, this, you know, Burdich was not there, but they did have Rassal and Vaselli, uh, quite a formidable lineup for the Czech Republic. Robin Hasse was playing very good ball uh, all through the hard courts. But um, how about DeBacher? Uh, again, this is someone, Jared, that I remember in 2010 came up against Andy Roddick in the first round of Cincinnati. And uh, I point blank Roddick in the press conference saying, uh, you know, you played a good match. He had a, he actually hit more aces than you did. And Roddick gave me a look like, what in the hell are you talking about? But the stat sheet didn't lie. But uh, DeBacher played some good tennis back in the day. It's nice to see him, again, a possible career moment for him, clinching the rubber, clinching the tie for the Dutch against the Czechs. Yeah, absolutely. A, a massive win for him. Um, a big, big upset for uh, you know a team like the Czech Republic that has won Davis Cup titles not too far back in the past with guys like Rasal and Vaselli, uh, who have been key parts of those championship teams, to now be losing in uh, in a, a World Group playoff is is a big surprise. And so a, a massive effort by DeBacher. Um, and you really go back to day one. Both of these guys, DeBacher and Hase, lose in five sets. Hase losing in the later of the two rubbers. So he gets shorter rest going into day two, plays in doubles, gets the win in doubles, and then has the first match out there on day three. So he's playing in three consecutive rubbers, and he's going up against the number one from uh, Czech Republic and Yuri Vaselli after having played a five-set singles match followed by a four-set doubles match. And uh, he takes out Vaselli, wins it 6-1, 1-6, 6-3, 6 So for me, Hoste is the big-time hero of this one. Uh, But DeBacher, the one to put it away in the end, um, he came out, played a great match in the first rubber, just barely unable to get past Vaselli, really played well there. And then in the fifth rubber, this time he was able to get it done. A a great turnaround for him, a, a nice little redemption story within the course of just one weekend um but really nice for him to get to be the hero there of, of that fifth rubber and uh send his country into the world group completely agree and um this is what davis cup is all about uh Fuxivis for hungary kukushkin for kazakhstan hase and debacher for the dutch there were other stories as well we'll talk a little bit about those but jared i would be remiss when i uh, talked about all the frenchmen that i like to see on the sidelines whether they play or not, and this could be a wild card for France, depending upon what surface they pick. Uh, none other than Adrian Manorino, who's had a very nice 2017. Uh, I saw him play. Hase defeats him in round one in Cincinnati. Both guys, uh, Manorino quarterfinalist in Canada, Hase semifinalist, but Adrian Manorino, a, a, another Frenchman. That Boy, the list just goes on and on. But um, switching our attention to some of the other matches, Jared, some individual performances. Marin Cilic, obviously a U.S. Open champion. Very disappointing with his result at the U.S. Open, but uh, he took advantage of Davis Cup, went to South America, went to Colombia. A long trip for him. Won both of his matches, uh, helping the Croatians advance against Colombia. I tip my hat to Marin Cilic for committing to his country's Davis Cup efforts, especially going all the way to South America at that point in time. I, I liked I liked the commitment from him. Yeah, absolutely. And when you do have a disappointing major, Davis Cup can all, always be a great way to bounce back. And it looks like that's what this could definitely be for Chilich. 
Um, obviously, when when you go out early at the U.S. Open and then you see uh, Kevin Anderson reach the final, I think just about everyone in the bottom half of the draw was kicking themselves, thinking, man, this might have been my chance. Uh, not to take away any credit from Kevin Anderson for the run he made, uh, a terrific tennis player throughout his career. But uh, if, if you're Marin Cilich, a former champion at the U.S. Open, that's going to get you down. Uh, great way to bounce back, though, to to win three matches in Davis Cup. Uh, really crushed his opponents in the two single matches he played and then dug deep in his doubles match, get the five-set win, come back from two sets down. Um, I think, you know, for these singles guys, doubles is a nice little uh, breather. It's a chance to have fun with, with a lot less pressure on them and just go out there and enjoy tennis. And when you play a five-set doubles match, uh, that, that's something that I think would have been a lot of fun for Marin Children. I'm sure he enjoyed himself out there on the court. And then, uh, yeah, sends his country into the world group on top. So nothing but positive things for Marin Children coming out of this weekend. And uh, I think for him, there's a great way to bounce back from a disappointing U.S. Open. Yeah, I like that. And uh, what stood out to me is that he went to, uh, you know, a faraway continent to play. We we see some of the guys that Germany wheeled out. Granted, they got the job done against Portugal, but uh, Cole Schreiber was not there. The Zverevs were not there. And uh, here's Chilich, you know, going across an ocean to go play. And uh, I really like that commitment, as you mentioned. Earlier than expected loss, very disgusted the fact that uh, – Something good may have been able to happen for him, but uh, he goes out and takes care of business in Davis Cup. Jared, the veteran Max Mirny has been playing Davis Cup forever, uh, plays majors as well, but uh, although his Belarusian squad fell to Switzerland at the end of the day, Max Mirny did win his doubles match. Yeah, absolutely. Max Mirny is uh, just a legend in tennis and, and one of the really good guys, and we're, we're so... Uh, lucky to have him still be, being uh, playing tennis at such a high level. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's it's less about the W's and L's for someone who's still playing at his age as it is uh, about just getting out there, but let alone winning uh, three tie-break sets, three very tight sets, uh, shows he still has it, uh, a very competitive guy. And um, really, uh, I'm sure a pleasure for all the fans that got to go out there and, and see this one. Uh, to see Max Mirny winning uh, another doubles match, such a legend in, in the tennis game. And, you know, when you watch Swiss tennis, you're, you're thinking of Stan Wawrinka and Roger Federer. Those guys weren't out there, but still you got to see um, a legend of the sport play in this doubles tie. And so uh, great effort for Max Mirny and um, su- such a cool thing for tennis to have him around playing at this level still. Yeah, I completely agree. And sticking with doubles, Jared, uh, the Canadian Daniel Nestor, who's been around for a long time, his results really the last year have not been great at all uh, in, in majors. Uh, that said, he paired up a, a kind of a cool pairing, if you will, with Pospisil in doubles, and uh, he, he they did get the win there. And so one of my favorite Dan Nestor stories was uh, the fact that uh, you know, it's not often that doubles guys or doubles uh, girls uh, get any press time. In Cincinnati, the Bryan brothers were impressed one time, and I was able to ask them some questions. And one of them was, you know, you guys have been along, around for a long time. You know, who, who if anybody, would you say uh, would be your rival? And I forget which Bryan brother said it would have to be Dan Nestor. He's out there playing. He's got more than us with this and that. 
he said, my goal, and I'm going to quote one of the Bryan brothers, my goal is to just outlast that son of a bitch. And everybody just started laughing about that. And it was out of respect, if you will, for Daniel Nestor. But, uh, you know, I think that press conference was about four years ago, and obviously everybody's still playing today. Yeah, uh, that's a great story. Um, Really cool to see Daniel Nestor out there playing with a guy that he's 18 years older than. Um, that's the age gap between him and, and Pospisil. Get this, the age gap between him and Denis Shapovalov, who won the other two singles matches. Uh, we're talking about 27 years here. Um, so that that's young, longer than I've been alive, uh, the age gap between Nestor and Shapovalov. So a uh, pretty cool thing to see uh, Nestor and Shapovalov on the bench together. Uh, at this event, working together as a team. Great to see the crossover between two generations of Canadian tennis, really three generations uh, with Pospisil, Nestor, and Chapovalov. Um, Canadian tennis is a lot to be uh, excited about the future, but also a lot to be proud of when looking at the past. And, and a guy like Daniel Nestor, who, uh, you know, I really shouldn't use the word past because he won his doubles match. Uh, he's still out there doing it at 45 years old. So, uh, just a really cool, unique thing going on in Canada uh, on this Davis Cup team. Yeah, and um, I just—I guess we could chalk it up to to Davis Cup, uh, the whole experience. Even though the Canadians were playing at home in Edmonton, Jared uh, Denis Shapovalov go, has to take five goes five against Bambri of India. Um, you know, a credit to Bambri for for taking Shapovalov two five after being down. Uh, you know two sets to love and wins sets three and four. Boy, welcome to Davis Cup, Dennis Shapovalov, and credit to you for getting the job done. But um, if that's not a wake-up call, you know, obviously, you know, he's had experience in Davis Cup infamously, as we know, last year. But at the same point in time, you just can't take anything for granted at home, no matter whom you're playing. And uh, granted, he won the the fifth set 6-1, but um, Bombry was in there with a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great effort from Shapovalov and nice uh, job by him to get a little bit of redemption here at Davis Cup. Obviously, uh, not such a good memory coming from him and Davis Cup in the past, um, but able to wipe that away this year, getting a couple wins, send his country into the world group. And I'm sure he'll be a big participant in that next year and uh, a chance for him to kind of rewrite his story, rewrite his reputation among tennis fans. I think he's a guy that a lot of tennis fans want to get behind and can get behind because he's uh, a young player that plays hard, uh, kind of the anti-Curios if you're looking at some of these young players. And so uh, for those who are unhappy with Curios and aren't as uh, entertained by Curios as perhaps you and I are, Shapovalov is someone that he, they're going to be able to get behind. And, you know, if you really want uh, in tennis that kind of uh, hero-villain rivalry, Shapovalov could provide a pretty good foil to someone like Kyrgios at some point in his career. And so um, I think there's a lot of people cheering for Shapovalov to really do well in his career and really continue to progress, uh, see what kind of a player he can be. Um, He really has an exciting future ahead of him, and that that was definitely on display here in this Davis Cup tie with him getting the two singles victories. No, completely agree. And um, a, a nice opponent for him as well. I mean, there are a lot of Indian tennis fans, Jared, and, you know, that was obviously live, televised to India. And so plenty of people tuning into that, and they saw 
quite a bit of Denis Shapovalov over the weekend. So his window of exposure just continues to grow uh, as well it should. And Jared, before we wrap up, obviously uh, we set the table for the Davis Cup final. A lot of action in World Group. We talked about some of it. Some uh, obviously there was a lot going on, but. Uh, Anything else over the weekend that uh, we might not have discussed that caught your eye? Well, yeah, it was just a, a fun weekend of tennis always and a nice thing um, to get to see some Davis Cup, especially after the grind of, of a major to, to get a few days off and then come back together for a weekend of, of Davis Cup tennis. I think that's uh, a great thing that a lot of fans can get behind and uh, just fun for, for us, a pair of Davis Cup fans, to, to watch this and so. Yeah, it, it was really an exciting week weekend. No, completely agree. And, um, Jared, as you and I discussed, uh, obviously the last major of the year has concluded uh, eight days ago, and um, we've got Davis Cup um, set the table for the final, but uh, we've got a couple more Masters 1000s. We've got the year-end finals. We've got the Davis Cup final. But um, where tennis doesn't necessarily decide to have an off season, you and I are going to have a little bit of a uh, of an exhale here from here till uh, the Australian Open preview. Um, middle of September, here we are. We're probably going to get back underway early to mid-January with um, taking a look at some of the action that's uh, taking place in Australia, New Zealand, and India before we uh, talk about qualifying for the Australian Open. But it's been a fantastic 2017 and really enjoyed talking tennis with you here on Replay the Point all along. And, um, yeah, it's been it's been a great run. Yeah, no, this year has been a lot of fun uh, switching over from passing shots now on replay the point. And so uh, this has been a fun year, I think, for both of us, more so than than other years as we've um, gotten to to rebrand and do things in a different way. And, you know, now we're on iTunes um, and and lots of new things going on with the show. And so, um, you know, it's going to be nice to take a little bit of a break. uh, But also we're going to miss this getting together every week to talk tennis. And, um, yeah, I just want to say thanks to you, Pete, uh, for, for putting this together where we get to talk tennis every week, um, a platform for us to, to talk about uh, the sport that we love. And, you know, um, I, I don't know how many people know, know the story about how um, this got started with, with me joining. So, obviously, you had been on passing shots for a while, but, um, you know, Dave Gertler invited me to be yep. on his show and you and I were, were following each other on Twitter and we kind of both knew of each other and you had been a, a guest on Dave Gertler's show many times. And I was on, uh, just that once and I listened to you on his show before and I always thought of you, uh, as the one that sounded just like Jim Courier. I thought, Oh, Jim <laughs> Courier's on the show. This is, this is Pete Zebron. And, um, yeah, I remember one, one evening I got a call from you. And and you talked to me about doing a, a podcast with you, and I got really excited about it. And then you told me it was going to be a live podcast, and I got extremely nervous right away because <laughs> the nice thing about Dave Gertler's show is none of it none of it's live; it all gets edited. And so when, when you mess something up, Dave Gertler goes in and he can kind of clean it up and and fix it and and make you sound good. And uh, but this show uh, it's one of the unique things about it. There's no other show that I know of. That is a live tennis talk show uh, where, where it covers everything going on in the ATP World Tour. And so um, this is a really unique show. It's been a unique opportunity uh, for me to be on it with you. And so, you know, I'm going to miss it while while we're gone until January. But uh, looking forward to those days and in the meantime, enjoying a little bit of a break from, uh, you know, the, the week.
week-to-week uh, tennis madness. But uh, it, it's going to be fun when we get started again, and I'm looking forward to it, Pete. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for those kind words. And, uh, you know, a very good friend of mine, Jared, uh, uh, I've been in his wedding and whatnot, but uh, he's a director producer in the sports TV industry. And I've been in the TV truck uh, quite a few times working the scoreboard uh, on, on the TV uh, production and whatnot. And uh, it's always fascinating for me to uh, to be part of that. And one of, you know, one of the things, one of my friend Marty Tarr's answers always is, is, it's live television. You you can't afford to make a mistake. And so, sure, you and I, uh, no no edits here. It's just all live, and we let it go. We're on our toes, and uh, I'd say we're we're good probably 98% of the time. And uh, you mentioned Dave Gertler. Wanted to just say thanks again to Dave for uh, providing us with the soundtrack for the uh, some of the intro music that we have. He gave us a nice choice of about five or six different. Uh, musical compilations that he put together and uh, we're able to put that uh, in place for replay the point so absolutely jared uh, gonna miss not talking every week uh, between now and january but um, again whereas tennis keeps going we're going to take a little bit of a break and um, get charged up for um, the 2018 australian open hopefully novak djokovic andy murray milos ranich stan varinka all the guys that um we're not in action necessarily at the U.S. Open this year. We'll be uh, healthy and able to go. And so on behalf of Jared Pine, this is Pete Zebron saying good night. We'll catch you in January on Replay the Point. Good night. <laughs>